Welcome to the weekly podcast of the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro. VOH Radio brings an in-depth understanding of the scriptures prophetically, rich revelation of the early church apostolic fathers, and biblical interpretation of the biggest news and political stories of our day. Take VOH Radio with you on the go. Listen on demand weekly. New programs released every Monday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, TuneIn, and more. To partner with us, please go to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Or email us at radio at voh.church. Hello, this is Michael Petro from VOH Radio, and we want to thank you for your support and sending the revelation of Jesus Christ around the world. Because of your generosity, we're always receiving and hearing of incredible testimonies from our followers worldwide. Accounts of healing, impartations, restoration, even revivals in Pakistan, Australia, Europe, Canada, and the U.S. and more. For the month of May, we want to give our listeners a code for 10% off on our new 2021 Pentecost merchandise line. To use this code, visit us at voh.church backslash merch and click on the Pentecostal line and use the code FIRE2021. That code again is FIRE2021 to purchase today. The code will only be available till the end of May. We want to thank you for partnering with us at VOH Radio and reaching the nations. Blessings. This is Mike Petro with the VOH Radio. It's a blessing to get to talk to you today and and just uh, share a little bit about what an apocalypse is. Uh, lately, I've had so many people talking and asking me questions that I've talked to about. Do I think it's the end of the world? Do I think that you know um, is the world coming to an end? So many people have this concept of the world ending. Uh, One thing that uh, I hear all the time also is, well, it seems to me like something serious is getting ready to happen. And and we aren't really looking at the end of the world. You know, a lot of people believe this word apocalypse literally means the end of the world, but it doesn't. It's a Greek word that literally means to remove the veil. The apocalypse, apo, to remove, to destroy something so that the union of the two will never um, be joined again and calyptos the veil. So what's being destroyed is the veil. So when we understand this veil being destroyed, we really begin to understand the book of Revelations. It's not about the end of the world. It's about people, a people, going through the veil into the Holy of Holies. Now, there was a veil in two compartments of the tabernacle and also the uh, tabernacle of Moses and the Temple of Solomon. There was a veil going into the holy place and a veil going into the Holy of Holies. Paul talks about these two veils in the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, 3, it says, and after the second veil, the the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of holies. Now, so he's saying there's a second veil. So that means there has to be a first veil. That veil was going into the holy place. So what were these two veils about? These two veils were about having an apocalypse, a removal of those veils. So we know that the high priest 
were the only ones that were allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. It was, a, according to Scripture, a very dangerous place. Anybody going in there, anybody uh, going beyond that veil and the glory of God is in there, anybody with a wrong thought would die instantly. So these men were literally trained, these high priests, to be able to go in there to do this um, ceremony once a year. Interesting thing is, is that Moses literally lived in there. That Moses was so pure in his heart and so hungry for the things of God that God let him literally stay there, sleep there, day in, day out, around the clock. Now, Moses wasn't the only guy. The, the Philistines had taken the, the Ark of the Covenant. David brought it home, um, and instead of bringing it to the temple, he brought it to his house. And David, who was not a priest, hallelujah, was allowed to have access to the glory of God 24-7. And that's why we read in the Scripture, it says that God loved David. Why? Because his heart was to build the things of God. That was his whole heart. Lord, I just want to do what you've called me to do. We we really need the heart of David right now uh, amongst our leaders because in reality, we have to have a heart for the things of the kingdom of God, just not for what our denominations are saying. So when we see this veil, this veil is literally saying that on one side, when that veil is shut, we don't see something. But when we go through that veil to the other side, we get to see things that were not previously seen or revealed. So we know that basically the scripture says every revelation is a manifestation. So meaning when God reveals something to us, when he removes the veil, we go through a period where things are being prepared for us. And I said this last week. It's like when a woman gets pregnant the DNA and everything that's in that child that needs to mature that child is in the seed of the father. And once that DNA from the father moves into that egg, that baby will become a duplicate. So many, it, it will pass down DNA information to from the father to the child. Literally, we, we know that, you know, uh, different animals that are born in the Serengeti in Africa that when that animal bolt is born and it comes out, it comes out running. It doesn't lay down. It doesn't wait because if it does, it's going to be a, it's going to be a meal for some other animal. But how does that animal when it's birthed, when it, when it comes out of the mother's womb, no, I got to run. I'm not going to be babied. I'm not going to be pampered. I'm not going to just lay around and, and uh, uh, you know, be treated special. He knows if I'm going to survive, I, the only way I'm going to survive is to get out and run. It's because of the DNA that is transferred over to that animal from the mother and the father. And it's the same way that the DNA that our, that our parents give us, a lot of things that people have, even sicknesses, our DNA tracked down through generations of people all because of uh, that DNA being there. So when I take a look um, uh, at Scripture, and I understand where Jesus said the seed is the word, that word for seed is the word for sperm, meaning in God's word is his DNA. That's what the Lord is telling us. And in that DNA, he wants to tra change our DNA 
into his DNA. Amen. And the only way that that can happen is that the veil that is over our thoughts, over our mind, over our thinking must be removed. And if it isn't, we're going to miss what God has for us. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Having therefore such a hope, we use great boldness of speech and are not as Moses who put a, a veil upon his face that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end it was passing away, but their minds were hardened. Isn't that interesting? That Paul said their minds were hardened for until this very day, the reading of the Old Covenant has the same veil over it. It not being revealed to them that it is done away in Christ. But unto this day, Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their hearts. Meaning Paul says that there was a veil over their mind because of a hardness of their minds. They didn't want to learn. So therefore, there was a veil over their understanding, over their reasoning. They couldn't understand what the scripture was saying. So and he said, when, when we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Meaning we should be seeing things that have never been seen before. Meaning God is an apocalyptic us. He's revealing things to us. He is birthing something into the earth that is getting ready to come to his fullness, just like that seed that goes into the egg. And eventually that egg becomes a human being, fully formed, fully developed. Everything is there to do it within the seed. Everything is there to make the transformation. And that's what a parable is. A parable is an earthly meaning with a heaven, it's an earthly understanding with a heavenly meaning. Meaning when someone Jesus said that the seed is the word, or he said the sperm is the word, he's saying that my word is like the seed of God, the sperm of God impregnating others' minds so that if they let it develop, hallelujah, they're gonna have a transformation in their lives. And that's what the Lord's trying to bring us into that transformation, amen? So Hebrews chapter six, verse 17 says this, wherein God being minded to show more abundantly unto the heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel interposed with an oath that by two immutable things in which is it impossible for God to lie, we may have a strong encouragement who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us which we have as an anchor of our soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and entering into that which is within the veil. Meaning the early church understood something, that there were promises that had not yet been fulfilled by the Lord, that those promises had to be opened up, unveiled, unpackaged to the church. And Paul is saying, he said, that is our hope to go through on beyond the veil Avail and understand exactly what the Lord was saying. So here the Jews never received the promises of God or the blessing of God. Why? Because their minds were blinded. They could not see. And because of that, they could not have the best that God had for them. But once we get the veils out of the way, saints, there comes the blessing of God in a way, in an abundant way, that has everything to do with the Lord revealing his glory to us, amen? 
So Hebrews 10, 19 says this, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest place by the blood of Jesus, by a new, uh, 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 by a new way which he dedicated for us, a new and living way that through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So what was the veil? The veil is symbolic of the flesh of Jesus. That's what Paul says. And see, because we don't understand the symbolisms of Scripture, the Lord's trying to give us a better understanding or parabolic understanding that this is talking about something much higher. It's talking about entering into this holy place. And the way that we get into that holy place is by the blood of Jesus and the removal of this veil. And what is the veil? The flesh. Isn't that interesting? The flesh and the blood or the communion with Jesus. The body and blood of Christ is the way we go into this new and better way of a lifestyle that with the Lord, hallelujah, has a fuller plan and purpose for his divine um, divine kingdom manifesting itself in the earth. So this New and living way has to do with everything about going through the veil, that is to say through the, through the flesh uh, of Christ. So if you think about it, every time I receive a revelation, what am I really receiving? I'm receiving a removal of my flesh or a removal of my veils. And in that, in that process... It's a watching process because my flesh is, is being healed. My old ways of thinking are being healed. And understanding that, that was, the, that was the, the manifestation of the early church faith that, that when we would receive revelation on the things of the kingdom of God, that God was doing something new, something much greater, hallelujah, than just some Old Testament uh, uh, understanding. So what's the Lord trying to do? He's trying to tell us we got to get the veils off. Why? Because with those veils, according to Scripture, we do not partake, hallelujah, of the blood and the body of Jesus. Think about it. The body of Jesus is all about the manifestation of his person. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, Paul is telling us very clearly that through the process of receiving revelation, the apocalypse, that what are we doing? We're really eating the body of Christ. That's what he's called us to do, to partake of his body, which is revelation, to eat the veil. The, the, the way in which he's created for us to be changed is his word and partaking of that word coming to the, 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 the communion table and partaking of that very thing which he's called us to be part of. That's why Paul says that, you know, uh, we, we drink damnation to ourselves when we uh, take the communion, uh, the body of Christ, unworthily. Meaning, you know, the Lord... Uh, he he is merciful, yes, but he's also very serious 
in which the way he reveals things to us is manifested. And he expects us to walk it out. He expects us to finish the good work that he started. And without starting and without finishing that, uh, we really don't understand the divine plan and purpose of God. I was saying this to a friend of mine who's a pastor uh, on the way over here. According to scripture, the sacrifice is not over until the priests eat the lambs that were that were sacrificed on the altar. So in in Jewish thought, when the rams ate, and also in the early church thought, when the rams ate those uh, lambs, not only were they devouring um, the sacrifice, but in actuality, they were consuming the sin of the individual. Meaning it was not over. The sacrifice wasn't over until those priests consumed those lambs. And I was telling him, it's not enough of what Jesus just did at the cross when he gave up his, his life for us. That is only the sacrifice of the lamb. He expects his priests to eat and consume the sacrifice, which is him. And when we understand that, we understand really what he's trying to do. He's trying to create this one new man between him and us. That's why the Lord was very clear in stating that uh, we all behold within a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same glory. So this same glory that's being manifested, this same heart that's being manifested, the same desire and passion of Jesus in us, how can we say that Jesus is in us and we don't do what he did? How can we say that Jesus is in us and, and we live in a lie? Or we don't even consider others winning people to Christ. Did Jesus do that? Did Jesus just sit at home all day and worry about what he needed to do in his life and 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 what he wanted to do and what he was going to eat and and the cares of this world? Or was Jesus out reaching others? Was Jesus out his priority was to bring people into his kingdom? We all know that answer. But the issue is, if Jesus is in us, how can we say that we're his and we're just living a different lifestyle? Matter of fact, Jesus has a word for that. It's called hypocrite. He said there's people that are acting like they're, what are, those, what are these actors doing? When Jesus calls people hypocrites, he's literally using a word and a term in his day in the Greek for those that are actors, meaning they're acting like something that they're not. So who are they supposed to be acting like? Obviously, it must be Jesus. We have turned the tables that we can live the, any way we want in the church and the body of Christ, and it's like nobody cares the way they act. Nobody cares that their lives are being sanctified. As a matter of fact, we, we feel out of uncomfortable we start talking about Jesus in the workplace and we start talking about Jesus in the restaurant and, oh, oh brother so-and-so, yeah, he's just a new believer and he's over, he's talking a little about too loud about Jesus. It, you know, it's a little embarrassing. Well, maybe, 
it's embarrassing because you've lost your first love. I've said this many times in many services and conferences around the world. You know, I've counseled uh, marriages and people wanting to get married. There's people I've literally let get married or never said nothing to them. And I knew that they would never last. I just seen it. And I don't ask me why, if it's a gift from God or whatever. All I knew was these two are not supposed to be together. And I've watched those marriages hit the rocks just uh, literally every time. It was just wrong. But, you know, it, it amazes me how people are drawn together and the reasons why they're drawn together. Because in reality, especially if we're in a wounded state and we don't understand why we think the way we do, because we're not healed yet, we we attract that same person or thing that had wounded us in the past. And we we look to plug holes that are have been there for years, when in reality we need to let the Lord do the healing process on us, fix us, so that we go into a relationship with somebody where there's not all these problems that we're bringing out of our past. And I've been, and I've seen some ugly things. But the ones I've said, yeah, this will work or this is that, these are the ones that, you know, they come together, they've gone through a process, you see the process is finished, and you can see the personalities have changed. And you can see that those personalities are really um, compatible with each other. Amen. So again, please don't be calling my ministry and saying, hey, uh, is there anybody out there? Can you study me for a little bit and see if uh, if there's somebody for me? I'm, I'm not a, a marriage uh, counselor to anybody other than the people that are my ministry. So, But interestingly enough, in that process, one of the things I can tell right off the bat is that when you're sitting there with two with a couple that are on the verge of being married, it's a very interesting communication. It's a very interesting talk, especially the weeks you take to go into that talk and talking to both of them about their the, the desires they have for life, their relationship, uh, with their thinking and wanting out of that relationship. You you learn a lot of things about people. But one thing I've always seen in those conversations is that the person, if they're in love, will always be talking about the person. Always. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. It doesn't matter, oh, the color of the dress. It'll eventually be, yeah, the color of the dress is, uh, you know, whatever, teal or white or I just want to have my bridesmaids. But, you know, my... Oh, so-and-so, he's so, you know, uh, wonderful and beautiful. And and I love the color of his, the clothes that he wears and and her and she, has, I love her colors too. And it always gets back around to the other person. And that's when you begin to see where the relationship, relationship is going. I've watched many people sit across the desk from me and, and when counseling before the marriage. And I'll look at them and, and one person is talking about the other, but the other person isn't talking about that person they're getting ready to get married to. Again, it's a red flag. You realize that there's one person that wants to be in this, this marriage and the other one doesn't. And I've watched those marriages uh, get pulled also. Uh, I've even watched some of those not even get to the, 
get to the wedding hall, even though everything was ready to be scheduled. What am I trying to say? I'm saying this, that if we say we love Jesus and we're not talking about him all the time, then something's wrong. Our conversation should always come back to what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is getting ready to do. When that passion is in our heart and that fire is in our heart for the things of his kingdom, his word, whatever, you know, honestly, when I'm around people, it might only take, you know, uh, uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, then, then, then I'm talking about the Lord again. I'm talking about something that the Lord showed me, something that I see in him, something that I see about him. But I want to talk about Jesus. I want people to know Jesus. In the same way, we should all want people to know Jesus. See, if we're really in love with him, we don't need to evangelize. It's built in. So you ask yourself a question, very simple question. When's the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? And how many times last month, last week, did you talk about Jesus to somebody? And I'm not talking about your Christian friends. I'm talking about those people that don't know him. Are you embarrassed when you speak about Jesus? Because he said, if you're embarrassed of me, I'll be embarrassed of you before my Father in heaven. If I'm embarrassed about the person I'm supposed to be married to and not in love with him, then something's very corrupt, something's very wrong. We all should be in that place that it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because no matter who I've ever married, no matter how many people I've brought to the, to the table to meet together, never have I yet met one of those people those couples that were willing to die for the other one. Not just willing, but did it. That died for the other one. I've not yet, I haven't met those people yet. But I know somebody that did. He hung on a cross for your and my sin. When he was beaten, he said, Father, forgive them. Even the men that forgive that beat him and whipped him and tortured him. He said, Lord, they don't know what they're doing, Dad. Let them go. That's the heart of a Christian. That should be our heart. If Jesus is living in us, then that should be our heart for others. I'm Mike Petro, and this is VOH Radio. You have a blessed day. If you enjoyed today's podcast, partner with us by heading to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Your financial gift helps the Voice of Healing Radio bring revelation to God's kingdom and to the nations. Have a testimony or prayer request? Call us at 1-877-440-3737. That's 1-877-440-3737. Or send us an email at radio at voh.church. And don't forget to add VOH Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for your current updates. This is the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petrone.